Before we get started, we're halfway through March now. So just through the end of March 2023, my birthday month, I'm giving you a present for my birthday, $10 off code of the Piano Teacher Primer course. I imagined it as a starter kit for someone who wants to start teaching piano or wants to up-level their piano teaching. And so go to my website, angelatune.com, and use the code BIRTHDAY10. Welcome to the only podcast for piano teachers just starting out, Piano Teacher Primer. My name is Angela Toon. Keep listening for the prime pro tips you can use with your own students right away. How to practice? Show them. This is going to be a series of episodes on practicing, and it's a huge topic. We're never really done discussing it because... It's something we all want to improve on, our students practicing. It's maybe the most difficult part of teaching piano, that's debatable, but we're always wanting our students to practice more and we're always wanting to motivate them and ideas of how to do that. But today, specifically showing them how to practice in the lesson and why that is a good idea. Many teachers will say, Now go home and practice. Practicing is for home, and here at the lesson, you're to show me what you practiced. But great teachers show students how to practice. So here are three areas we're going to talk about today. First is repeating small sections. The second is giving specific instructions. And third is specific goals for the student. So repeating small sections. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? Not that we would ever do such a thing, but uh, talking about practicing, showing the student how to break practicing into small sections because one one of the biggest pitfalls of practicing is that they just play the whole piece through with all the mistakes in it every time and then it just kind of stays the same. So even if, I guess the first thing is that they have instrument time. My friend Barb Gill calls it instrument time. And I love that because it's not practicing. It's like you need time with your instrument. So that's one way to brand it. Um, But when introducing the piece before the student has practiced it, you can introduce the piece in a way that will motivate them to practice it effectively and not just play it, but to practice certain things. So notice things that might be scary to a student. There might be some leaps, there might be some octave changes, there might be some cleft changes. Older children, there might be some sharps or flats. It's so funny how when learning a piece, often students will learn the notes and they will stop right in the middle of a page, right in the middle of a phrase even. If it looks like the next measure has a lot of sharps or flats or even naturals if it just looks scary sometimes they will just stop right there and I always kind of tease them like it's interesting how you stopped right here is it because of all these sharps you see here and then we help walk through and I do my question thing to help lead them along and help them to learn the notes of that scary measure (laughs) so again not to give it away completely but lead them along with discovering the notes for themselves, like I described in episode seven, correcting notes positively. So the student has been introduced to the piece 
And even having them try certain things, this is kind of sight reading, but having them try things in the piece, maybe finding the most difficult passage in the piece and having them try that so that it's not scary at home. So it's good to introduce the piece. I'm talking five minutes or less in the lesson, and I recommend doing that. And then... After a week, the student's been practicing the piece, we hope, right? But as you hear the piece at the lesson, you're going to notice where they struggle. And most of the time, I don't know, if they can finish the piece, I'll often let them finish the piece. This totally varies, really. But And then come back to the part where they struggled. But sometimes they're stuck and can't go on. Or I really don't want to go on without letting them know. Or sometimes I'm worried I'll forget. So I'm hearing the piece and we go back to a spot where they struggled. And in the lesson, I work on that small part with them. There's a funny quote, um, definition of music teacher. It was just a funny post that I saw and it's like, looked like a official definition of music teacher. And it said, does not know the definition of one more time, right? So I'll ask... So we have them do it again, do it again, do one more time. Oh, but really what we're getting at is we want it one more time correctly, right? And sometimes when we're on a small part, I want to show them how much progress they can make on a small part in the lesson and then tell them, if you do this every day, you'll be even better at it when you come back to your next lesson. And so it shows them in the lesson what effective practicing looks like, and then they can go home and apply those principles. Often a student will not practice, not because he's not motivated or rebellious, or he maybe, he or she maybe just does not know how. And maybe the student is having some instrument time, but they're just playing through the piece. So you want to talk through these things with the students. Um, okay. Then I explain the power of repeating two to four measure parts over and over until good. Or I will give them, well, the next point is giving them specific instructions, but I might assign them a certain number of times. Or I might ask them, how many times a day correctly do you think it takes to get this passage right? I also like to use a little analogies with the students, and I'd love to hear yours if you have some ideas for this, but I, I ask them, do you ever have to clean the sink at your house? And if they say yes, I'll say, okay, maybe if there's some toothpaste stuck on the sink, what do you have to do to get it off? Do you just wipe it one time and then it's off? And they're like, no, you have to scrub it, and you have to get, go over and over and over it. And so that is like learning piano. If you've got wrong notes in there, you especially if you've practiced a wrong note, you need to scrub it and scrub it, which means going over and over and over it until it is correct. I also talk about a computer. All the kids are on computers and we hit delete to erase a letter, right? Well, our brains are the strongest computers ever. And it remembers even more than a computer, than a machine. One time wrong, and the brain thinks that that's what you meant to do. So it's like on the piano, if you play a wrong note, you need to delete it three times a day. You can't just hit delete once and the note and the letter disappears. We have to practice in that correct note. So it's like a computer where you have to hit the delete key three times a day. 
And if you do the note wrong again, you got to do it three times again because your brain is going to think that that's right. And framing it as our brains are so powerful and they really know what we put in there. I, uh, some of them have coded too. It's like coding. We don't want to imprint the wrong code. We don't want to enter the wrong code into our computers. What we put in is what will come out and we have to put it in over and over and over again. And this applies to sports. So if you've got sports, if you've got a kid that loves basketball and you can talk about free throw shooting and you're not just going to get it right on the first time. And so for, to be able to execute that free throw, you need to practice the free throws over and over and over again in practice so that in the heat of the game, which is kind of like the recital or the competition or the festival, then they can execute the correct notes. So I just love expanding their mind and helping them see this applies to other areas of life. And then this is one area that improves the rest of their life also. And a note here, you also need to educate parents of this, especially if the parents have never learned an instrument. This is something that they may not know. So also educate the parent. I always put a little blurb in my email, my monthly emails about practicing. I'll text the parent. If the parent has learned an instrument, I think they understand. But if but sometimes they forget or sometimes they're just too busy. So sometimes I text the parent, listen for this certain part 10 times or something. And that helps to connect the gap between what we do in the lesson and what happens at home in practice. Okay, second point, give specific instructions. So I already kind of touched on this with saying do a certain small part three times. Um, if you have a notebook that you use, that goes back and forth between the lesson and home or an online system. There's some online note things that can go back and forth and you can check in with students during the week and things. You can have parents take notes. And in my online course, the Piano Teacher Primer, I've included the pages I actually write on for my students and I updated them and I like writing in vertical lists so I can do bullet points and so that's how I've laid it out and I created it before I even had kids and finally updated them now that they are all in school for you all. So, or you can create your own pages or many teachers just use a plain notebook and that works great for them. Uh, so specific instructions in the notebook. Also, you know, I love post-it notes and I put it on a post-it note on the music because sometimes they may not open the notebook. Let's be honest. <laughs> so I try to put it on the music and in the notebook and then it's proof of what we did in the lesson and proof of what I expect. And then when they come back, I can kind of tell that you didn't practice that part three times, you know, and maybe there's a nicer way to say it. But with specific instructions, um, there's certain things to listen for. And then that helps me. Because when I have a lot of students and the next one comes and the next one comes, I may not exactly remember what I'm listening for. I may not exactly remember what we did. My brain cannot always be trusted to remember such things. So also having these post-it notes and these things in the notebook also helps me as a teacher to be accountable to myself 
and what suggestions I have given and what assignments I have given. And if there's an assignment that's recurringly not happening, you can decide how to handle that in your studio. But that gives kind of proof there of what you expect and what you're doing and proof of if it maybe hasn't been happening. Uh, preparing for a recital can be tough because sometimes the student has learned the piece so well and so what do you what do you say it's like all the notes are right the rhythm's right dynamics can always be enhanced so that's something that you can uh, improve on a recital piece so this is these are some specific instructions that i give for when a student has the piece learned but we're preparing for a recital. This will keep it good. And we talked about recitals last week, so this goes right along with that. Uh, so I first will have them play it with the music. Many students will not look at it anyway, but we try. And hopefully they'll see those post-it note reminders of what we've talked about previously in the lessons. And then I have them do and pretend they already have the piece memorized. So we'll, we'll do another episode on how to teach memorization. But then you can, if they've already got the piece memorized, I'll still have them play it with music once and I'll have them play it memorized two different ways. And I'll say play it memorized, but if there's a mistake or something you forget or a dynamic, stop and fix it. And then the third thing I have them do is memorized, but keep going. And I might even assign them to have a full recital performance experience. We talked about this in the last episode having them practice announcing, playing without stopping, continue on till the end. If you're in an absolute emergency, jump ahead, try to keep going. And then the, uh, the final thing is standing and bowing and they can put their stuffed animals out and bow to their stuffed animals. And then if they, as they get good at that, then I also assign them to do practice performances and have someone in their family sit and listen to them. Have grandparents, friends. If they're at a friend's house, you can play for your friend. And I even, um, we're preparing for a festival right now with the Federation of Music Clubs. And so I am assigning my students to have five extra performances. And some teachers do 10, it's awesome. And they write five names down of people that they performed for five different times. This gives them exposure to different uh, pianos and it helps them. I think we talked about this last time. So, so that's what you can do and assign when the, the piece is already learned. And number three is specific goals. So setting specific goals for students, maybe a number of practice sessions that week, maybe a number of times playing through a certain piece. And then we talked about number of times correct on a certain small part of the piece, maybe two measures, maybe four, maybe one if it's really difficult. And so, and sometimes I do little check boxes in the notebook or again on the music so they can check off what they've done and ask the student, what are your goals with piano and what would you like to accomplish this week? And then they'll own it and they'll have buy-in. Again, when preparing for a recital, count the weeks back for a memorization date, uh, maybe a, have the notes learned, hands together date, uh, have this page learned, that page learned. I've With older students, I've planned it all out like that. And it helps them have specific goals for that week. Hey, this week we're gonna learn this piece. 
page. <laughs> the next week, we're going to learn this page. This week, memorize this page. This week, so have specific instructions. And honestly, this is one of the funnest parts of teaching piano because they accomplish these goals and they are so excited. And it helps them uh, in life, again, with other things because life is awesome when you are accomplishing goals and improving on yourself and improving in many different areas of life. So it's another way that piano is awesome for life. So, and you can complete your goals as a piano teacher and showing them that you're evolving and changing. And it's just so fun and rewarding. So continue the good teaching work, everyone. This gives you the motivation you need to teach your own students and teach them well. I have more resources for beginning piano teachers, including an online course that I made with my own students in mind. It's also called the Piano Teacher Primer. Just head to my website, angelatune.com. That's T-O-O-N-E. Together, we'll change the world one student at a time.